because he knew the benefit of having that um, inclusion in there. Why? Because the more diverse rooms are, then there's more innovative um, conversation. Mm -hmm. They can give different perspectives. You're trying to market this product to women. You don't have any women in the room. <laughs> you might be just going off of your bias. So inclusion is, are you ushering my opinion? Are you valuing my opinion? Are you searching for it? And then equity is now I have a seat in the decision-making table. That is the most important. So I hear, I see diversity and inclusion all the time. And I'm like, what about equity? Leaders need constant developing. It might be on the personal side of development or the professional side, but essentially the work that you do on yourself will benefit how you show up as a leader in the home as well as within the workplace. Check out these testimonials from some clients I've worked with in the past and make sure you book your session soon. They want to continue on this journey because it has been very beneficial for me. Um, like I said, I'm not the same person. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was five weeks ago. How I fit your strategic goal. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. Yeah, that does. I mean, I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you got me there because that's that's good. So, feel it was accurate. Like, what, what's your feedback? I think it was definitely accurate. Thank you so All much. Right. This was fantastic. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you have period. Like, how do you feel now? I do want to be successful in my business. Um, I need to work on me. I'm like, I'm happy right now. I am. I'm, that's this is good. good. So, what are you waiting for? Schedule your session today. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. This is the last episode of 2020. Oh, my goodness. But listen, there's going to be some great things to come in 2021. But today's episode is extra special because I'm bringing you another feature. I was on Shannon's podcast, Successes Within Reach. We were on there with Coach Love. We were talking about women in business, women in leadership, women, and how we have to navigate the world so differently. And just great conversation. So shout out to him for being a door opener. So I brought you the whole conversation. Normally I'd break these into two parts, but I wanted to bring you this whole thing. So it's a special treat from me to you. Shout out to Shannon for being a door opener, allowing us to have these spaces, to have these conversations, but I'm super excited. So as always, get your notepads, get dialed in and get tuned in to this great message. This is episode nine, Empowering Women in Business and Entrepreneurship. I have with me two phenomenal guests today. First up, we have Coach Love. She's a serial entrepreneur, and she's a men's self-love mastery coach and LLC formation consultant and also a business credit consultant. Coach Love, how are you doing this evening? Awesome. Thank you for having me, Shannon. Definitely, definitely. And our second guest panelist for the day, you may have seen her here before on the podcast, Miss Aisha Thomas. She's an author, a leadership team, and emotional intelligence expert as well. Aisha, how are you doing this evening? I'm wonderful. Hi. <laughs> How's everybody's holiday? Good. So good. It's probably too good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, before we get started, I want to remind everybody that you can join in the conversation and submit your questions and talk with the panel live at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. One more time, www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. All right, let's get into it. First question is, what do you think 
uh, has been have been the greatest factors behind the evolution of the women's movement and business in the past decade. You know, we've seen uh, more now than ever, you know, more women taking the lead and a lot of companies, especially a lot of Fortune 500 companies are now promoting women to their executive positions. We're seeing a lot more female uh, CEOs and CFOs as well. Uh, so what do you think have been the greatest factors behind this uh, evolution in business? And Coach Love, we'll start with you. Okay. I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just the realization of the power that women have to kind of bridge those gaps that men sometimes struggle with in business. Um, mm -hmm. Ironically, sometimes when we've seen um, women being put to the forefront of companies, it's typically off the back of some trouble and we need some things mended and corrected um, and things to be done with more tact and be more strategic. And, and women have a way of being able to multitask and do all of those things and still be you know, firm and be you know, in roles of leadership that really exemplify like everything that women encompass, but still be taken seriously. I think it was a need for that. And it was like, mm -hmm. hey, we stepped up to the plate. <laughs> nice. Aisha, what are your thoughts? Yeah. And for me, I mean, I think that, you know, I always look at like the uh, deeper, deeper, deeper why I think that, I mean, even if you think all the way back when you had the world wars, right. Um, and you had most of the men that were drafted to go out and support these wars. Well, the women have to step in and take on these roles, because if you think about the worldview and the shape of the world in the past, women had these domesticated roles. They took care of the house. But now you have these world events that happen that they have to step out and do more. And I think that was the shift there. And then, of course, with the roles within the household, things have changed. You know, I think that also with women really filling in those needs, households started to recognize the importance of that additional support. Um, industries and businesses started to understand that women brought a whole nother edge to these spaces. So mm -hmm. I, I'm big on, I've been sharing this message about being door openers and the more door, door openers that were there. So, you know, one person had to give, you know, a, a, somebody an opportunity. And then the more women that walk into doors, now they're exposing other women and seeing that, oh man, she was able to still get a degree while being a mom. She was able to do all these additional things. So by other women taking the great challenge and saying that I am going to go out and I'm going to do things differently, even though society wants me in this domesticated roles, that really allowed other women to be inspired and say, listen, I'm going to do the same. And again, of course, we know with the dynamics in the household that really started to push forward and change how people looked in the household and how um, women function, how men function. But I really think that those brave women that decided to fight and this started to really show that, you know what, even though you guys are saying no, I'm going to go about doing it a different way by them mm -hmm. taking that stride. Other women followed and other women followed. And again, those door openers were able to show the example of what is possible and industry started to recognize, you know what, women bring a different type of edge into these industries. So we need them there. So shout out to those door openers from the past. All right. Because <laughs> now they've ushered in a lot of us that have been able to make it here as well. Nice. Nice. Somebody that's listening. Hashtag door openers. I like that. <laughs> All right. Next up. Uh, my next question is, what is your take on the necessity for diversity and inclusion in the workplace? Uh, this is a, a really hot topic with a lot of companies as we move into, you know, a new phase 
of uh, business and entrepreneurship and, you know, uh, equal rights and, and trying to make sure that everybody's included, everybody has a voice, everybody has opportunities. And it's a very, very vital thing in a lot of companies for them to be successful because everybody can't look the same, everybody can't be from the same place, live the same lifestyle. Uh, so what is your take on the necessity for diversity and inclusion in the workplace? I never know who should start off, but I love this topic, right? I love this topic because first off, I always, whenever I do diversity, equity, and inclusion training, I always like to redefine what it means because a lot of people see these words and they assume, like people say inclusion all the time, but what women need and what a lot of people need that are in these uh, minority groups is more equity. So of course, when you think about diversity, you're talking about the faces, right? They say um, spaces that mimic what society looks like. Like I always talk about New York. New York is a melting pot. You're seeing all different mm -hmm. cultures, background races. So when you look at diversity, it's the faces. You wanna have people from different backgrounds, different sexual preferences, different cultures, um, individuals that might have disabilities, age differences, like just a whole array of different people. So that's what diversity is. Inclusion is, is my voice. Do I have an opinion? Is it welcomed? Are you asking um, for my opinion? So one of the companies that I love to always use an example of is Salesforce. Mark Benioff is a CEO. And what he did is that he had in the beginning of when he was a CEO, he said, listen, I will not have a meeting unless there's 30% women in these meetings because he knew the benefit of having that um, inclusion in there. Why? Because the more diverse rooms are, then there's more innovative um, conversation. Mm -hmm. They can give different perspectives. You're trying to market this product to women. You don't have any women in the room. <laughs> you might be just going off of your bias. So inclusion is, are you ushering my opinion? Are you valuing my opinion? Are you searching for it? And then equity is now I have a seat in the decision-making table. That is the most important. So I hear, I see diversity and inclusion all the time. And I'm like, what about equity? I need to have a seat at the decision-making table, not just at the table, wow. the one where it decides and it makes changes. So that's the biggest thing. We need more equity. Yes, I want my voice, voice heard, but if I have a great... Um, I have a great idea. If I've been showing that I can step up and uh, show out as a leader, why can't I have a seat at the table? So I think it's, it's, it's excuse me, it's extremely important because just like I say, studies have shown that more diverse rooms, there's more innovation. More innovation means more products and services. More products and services now means we're reaching more people because we've seen the posters or the ads out there that are trying to market to black people, but there's no one in the room. It's culturally insensitive. And now you've mm -hmm offended a whole group of people because you don't, you would lack that representation. So it's so important, not only because you want to have the faces, but now is my opinion, is it important to you? Are you looking for it? And now I can be in the room to say, no, I don't want you to come up with this new rule regulation because you're not thinking about the single mothers. You're not thinking about the people from these different groups that might be affected by it. So that's why it's so important that we have diversity, inclusion, and equity in rooms mm -hmm. because you never know who you might be alienating by you not having that space, um, those uh, seats at that table. Excellent points. I like that. Coach Love? How do I follow that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, we know how important it is, right? We, we've seen uh, our new president-elect Biden and uh, Ms. Harris, you know, vice president, talk about you know, they're going to create a cabinet that's representative of everyone that's here in this country. Right. So mm -hmm. we realize the importance of it. I think the difference now is it's not 
just going to be a trend. There's going to be some longevity in, you know, like real voices, like she said, having that equity where we're in real positions of power that matter so that when mm -hmm. we speak, people are taking notes and things are executed to make sure that we are included and that is representative of everyone that's in the room, right? And everyone that needs to be mm -hmm. someone that needs to be counted and matter, right? So I think um, beyond that, I'm just thankful that this time, like I said, it's not just the trendy thing to do. You know, in the past, mm -hmm. we've had things like affirmative action being the way that someone was allowed to be included or that we talked about diversity or integration or something like that. I think now history has proven that that's not always the way to go. And now we're in a space that, you know, not only is it going to affect those of us that are here and now, but it'll create opportunity for that to kind of go into the future and there not have mm -hmm. to be this recycle again of, okay, let's campaign to get us back to the table. We're at the table now, and I think we'll get a chance to stay there a lot longer. Definitely. You know, I, I couldn't agree more with, uh, you know, both of your takes on it. I, I truly think that more people need to understand that this needs to be a norm and not treat it as some type of consolation prize. You know, it's not you have a privilege. It's I need to be here in the first place. You know, exactly. and, and you know, like you said, I, th I think as more people get on board with this and treat it as a new norm because this is how it should be, not, oh, let's do it, try it out, see how it goes. You know, I think things will get a lot better in all facets of business, you know, and, and in our world as well, you know, as a whole. Um, let's see. Next up, we have what are some areas in the business world that we still need to push for greater opportunities for employment and promotion for women? Um, you know, we spoke about um, you know, a few seconds ago, Coach Love mentioned about how um, President-elect Biden is, you know, made a vow to include more women and more diversity in his cabinet. So that's politics. We've seen it with the Googles and the Amazons, you know, promoting women in certain executive positions. But what areas of business do you think we still need to push for greater opportunities because they're just not getting it? Or, you know, maybe we're still waiting for our old regime to kind of get out the door and usher in a new, you know, way of doing things. Um, and Coach Love, we'll start with you on this one. I'd like to say, I'd like to see more of us women in the sciences still. I still feel like uh -huh. some of those really intricate things that really matter in the space of like technology and global warming and health and, you know, healthcare and all of those things that are important. Um, there's still not enough of us there and, and definitely not enough of us there that are of color, right? And then I think after that, um, I think us being just in the spaces that we are in, not being afraid to show up, you know, I think that's the other thing. Like women are there, but there's still like this fear that we can't come all the way to the forefront because there'll be some sort of backlash. Think about what we've seen with the Me Too movement. A lot of those women mm -hmm. stayed in those positions. They had great roles and great assignments. But this fear of if I come to the forefront, my career is threatened because I'm a woman and this is quote unquote a man's world. So I think if we just find the courage to just stand in who we are in the roles that we already have, that'll definitely also make more of a difference. Cause just like we just talked about with diversity, we've always belonged there. So now we're there, use that opportunity to do exactly what you've always wanted to do. And that speak up for yourself and speak up for yourself in a way that's intelligent and representative of what can impact the other women that, you know, you would like to see look to you and say, hey, she's showing up for me. Mm -hmm. Nice. 
And, and I love what you just um, highlighted, Coach Love. I mean, because what, what are the, we've identified that women just bring so much to the table. I have some stats here. You know, I'm the, I'm the high C, I'm the nerd here, right? <laughs> I love, I love stats, right? So women represent 47% of the workforce and they earn more bachelor's degrees, master's and doctoral degrees, right, in the U.S., However, when it comes to women in senior management roles, they only reached 29% as of 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was like the highest. In 2020, that number stayed the same. Even with COVID, what studies have found is that it's going to be even a you know, stalemate in those no- mm-hmm. numbers during, during COVID, surprisingly. Not only that, it also says women are overrepresented mm-hmm. in support functions. See the keyword support functions like administration, while men t- t- tend to be concentrated in operations, profit and loss, and research and development. So I think a lot of this also has a lot to do with the bias. And I'm like, again, society and how a lot of us are shaped, we have to recognize, again, that's why I love DE&I and I always lead with bias. We first need to check our bias at the table because we know that women are earning more degrees. We know that they're opening more business. I believe it's like 1,600 businesses every day and women of color, I mean, they're literally starting businesses like it, like just at mm-hmm. crazy numbers. I mean, they're just killing it and starting businesses. But the question is, why are there more men being hired for roles? I mean, shout out to all the male coaches, but I'll see the amount of women on their um, on their in their programs. And I'm like, why don't you get a woman coach? We can relate to each other so much more. We can talk about the, these things that um, we can just relate on. But even within um, our community, we find ourselves gravitating to these, you know, to men more in these, you know, in these leadership roles. So I think that we need to also really look at our bias, identify what it is that we need to unlearn because things like the Me Too movement and somebody that is a survivor of sexual violence. I think that I remember the, the I can't think of the Supreme Court justice. He got sworn in and you had that big television, um, um, like everything stopped because everybody wanted to hear this woman's testimony who said that oh, he violated her. Yeah, it, it, no, but even after that, it was, I'm not Clarence Thomas, but I can't think of her name. Um, but I remember watching her, um, it was recently as of like a couple years ago. And I remember listening to her share her story because of course, you know, she came out years later and so on. But a lot of people a lot of people of course said that you know they didn't believe her or whatever and again everybody's mm-hmm. their opinion is their opinion but what was powerful in that moment was the conversations that happened afterwards people mm-hmm. started saying that there were family members that shared stories that happened to them while they were in college they started to have conversations they never had fathers started to learn from their daughters sons started to learn from their fathers and so on and you saw this big movement that happened just because people took time to learn different people perspectives. So again, mm-hmm. although we know women should be in these roles, how much are we taking time to unlearn some things, learn some new things so we can shift our biases and be like, you know, again, I love the fact that Joe Biden bring um, Kamala Harris, regardless of what side you are on, Republican, Democrat, independent, doesn't matter. It's just the monumental movement of a woman getting into this role and now there are more women mm-hmm. being ushered in but conversations have to be happening people have to be challenged someone had to open that door and biases have to be shifted away and it's not saying that those women won't have a tough experience but we really need to check our biases at the door as women ourselves um and men as well and start really saying that we know these women offer so much but what's yeah. keeping them from these rooms? And that's the question. We have the skills. We can talk all day what industries they should be in, but why aren't you opening doors for them? That is the question. 
I think I think you brought up a very key point about unlearning, you know, and I don't know. I guess that's the million dollar question is how do we get some of these leaders, some of these CEOs, some of these um, administrators and so on to unlearn the ways of old regimes and open up their minds and, you know, relearn or uh, begin to learn a new way of doing things. You know, one of the most toxic statements in any business is this is the way we've always done it. You know, and I, I think getting people to get out of that train of thought is the key to unlocking a lot of these doors and opportunities. But for some, it's a matter of waiting for the old regime to retire <laughs> and leave. And then for some others, you know, it's like I said, it's a million dollar question. How do we fight this fight to get them to get rid of that, you know, train of thought and but open do you up really, to allow everybody in? But do you really think it's the old re regime dying off that will make a change? Because, again, this, the, the, there's a stat that says, OK, as of now, 29 percent of women are still um, only in senior leadership roles. So, you know, mm -hmm. for me, it tells me even in 2020 has changed, even in COVID has changed. So there has been a big group of people who have passed away, but there still seems to be something in the mm -hmm. midst happening that's still preventing um, women to, you know, for them to get into certain spaces. So my question is, um, not question, but like I, my reflection is, yes, the old, we talk about the old regime. We used to talk about the man. We used to talk about these figures. However, um, within our own communities, there's still some bias and there's still mm -hmm. some things that are, so I don't know if you feel me, Coach Love, but what, what you <laughs> think? I'm not trying to take over the interview, but I'm just saying, I can attest to that, even just being a woman coach that coaches men. You know, when you come mm. into a space where people are looking at you like, well, first of all, women don't coach men. And then you're a black woman coaching men and all your clients aren't black. No, they're not. Um, it's mm. like the thing, like you said, there are people, even though the old people are maybe transitioning or passing away, there's still that group of people that are willing to uphold that. Right. We talk mm. about that all the time. Like, hey, well, that's what my grandfather did. That's what my great grandfather did. So, of course, that's what the son's going to do. That's what his son is going to do. If there's not one person somewhere in that cycle that's willing to say, I'm going to stop it here with me. Like, I'm not going to perpetuate this same kind of ancient ideology about what the role of a woman should be here. She's only supposed to be the housekeeper or she's just supposed to get me coffee. Like, thankfully, I was glad that you spoke on, Aisha, that we're not lacking in the area of entrepreneurship, right? Because black women are shutting it down when it comes to starting businesses. So, I mean, I think that's awesome because people get to see that, okay, you won't give me a seat at the table. I'm going to build my own damn table and I'll let you know if I got space for you when you come knocking on my door. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like right in the moment, it, it would take us to do that. It takes us keep pushing forward. And then as women, Again, stand your ground. Don't get to the table and punk mm -hmm. out. When you get to the table, hold your space there and let them know, yeah, I'm here and I belong here. And then that way, typically, I like to share this all the time, women, we're the trendsetters. So if you get yourself to the space where someone's listening to you, offer up the absolute best that's going to benefit everybody. Always think win-win for everyone. Present that in a way that makes people listen. And that's how you get the change rolling, because typically that's the way the world works. People pay attention to everything that women do and say, how we dress, how we comb our hair, our makeup, our language, everything. If you put yourself in that seat, think about how commanding 
this queen right here is. When you open your mouth, everyone's listening. Make it a powerful opportunity for yourself, but do it because you want to benefit the greater good, not just yourself. Nice. Like I, I told y'all, we had two, you know, phenomenal guests with us today. They they bring it to heat, y'all. Drop those likes, drop those hearts, share it. Tell your mama, your sister, your grandma, your neighbor, everybody to jump on here. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, what are some tips and strategies to assist with creating a proper work-life balance? Um, you know, in our, our regular lives pre-COVID, it was already hectic enough. We were used to going here, going there. Now, you know, everybody's had to pivot, you know, to some extent with COVID, you know, working from home for some, you know, the kids are homeschooling. Um, you know, and both being in business and entrepreneurship, what are some of the strategies that you use for creating a work-life balance to make sure that, you know, you're not getting burned out and, you know, you're giving proper attention to every facet of your life? And uh, Coach Love, we'll start with you on this one. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to mark the words of my fellow coach, uh, Queen Latia Reed, and share that the first thing that changed my mind was mindset. Um, she says to me all the time, like, I don't like to say work-life balance because balance is a really tricky thing in the space of having a human experience. But she said, what I have been able to create myself for myself and what I teach people to create for themselves is something called a healthy integration. That's nothing fancy, but in the space of what you think about what integration is, it feels a lot more flexible than saying, I have to create balance. So in that space, typically what happens in your mind, you know, you get an idea, you think on it a little bit, the wheels start turning, you come up with a few different ideas instead of trapping yourself into this one mindset that it has to be this way. I have to spend this many hours doing this thing and this thing and this thing. If I don't, I'm out of whack because I'm not in balance. But if you realize that there's an opportunity for you to integrate different things based on what your level of interest may be in the moment or what the schedule may be permitted based on what the other roles are that you have in your life, it gives you a totally different opportunity for how you can create time to execute on everything that you think is important everything that you think is urgent. And then, you know, those absolute necessities, because again, bills have to be paid, right? But I think the first thing that you can do is just really change your mindset. Don't force yourself to think that there's only one way to have that healthy integration in your life, because it's really not. It's based really on your character, your interests, your energy, you know, your energy level and so many different things. Um, don't push yourself into that box because that'll take you way farther away from what your purpose and what you need to do than anything. <laughs> So I'd say start with the mindset before anything. <laughs> he said they throw in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a single mom saying that. I'm a single mom that's a mom, a caregiver, a homeschool teacher, a serial entrepreneur. Integration works better than balance. <laughs> Listen, I'm a single mom too. So shout out to the single mamas out there. Okay, babies, mamas, 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 mamas. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I think we need to um, normalize work-life balance, right? Um, one thing that we've seen, um, just again, studied, I got statistics and studies, y'all, all the time. But one of the things that we're seeing with the generational shift is that mental health is being normalized. Um, we have to really think about the generational differences, right? So think about, it, there's certain generations that were 
born into poverty or born into certain seasons where work-life balance, that ain't what you did. Like we had to grind. I'm West African, right? So my experience and my worldview is, is a lot differently. Mm -hmm. My parents migrated here and I love, because I didn't even know this story. So I saw them over Thanksgiving um, weekend. Shout out to Issa and Aisha Thomas. Yes, I'm a junior, y'all. I'm not legit a junior, but I'm a junior. <laughs> but they shared about when they came to the U.S., they lived in New York and how they had to hop from um, um hotel to hotel because my father was going to accounting school. He wanted to get his degree and their level of hustle was different. And they came to America during the crack era. And my mom talks about being robbed of when she was pregnant. So they came oh, and wow. they hustled. So they had this mindset when you come to the U.S. I look at it as a land of opportunity. So they came in with that mindset. Not only that, now they're raising kids with this mindset. We came to the U.S. I didn't have my green card, my city, like all that stuff had to be worked out. So they brought us here with the mindset of this is a land of opportunity. I need my children to grind, to hustle. So that's how we were raised. So they might have not known, known it, but we didn't see work life. Like my father worked two jobs. I didn't see him until 11 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night. My mom worked from sunup to sundown. She was a housekeeper. Shout out to all the housekeepers out there. She was a maid at a hotel for years. So there was no balance. She came, she took us to all the appointments. She dealt with my mess because I was a hot mess as a teenage girl. So work-life balance wasn't normalized. But what you're seeing is a big shift now where mental health is normalized, taking rest is normalized. And we also have to look at it as women, as men. How are you addressing certain things that, you know, you are putting on the shelf that later on is causing you to have all these sicknesses and illnesses and mental issues. So it's so important that we start to normalize it first in our households, because a lot of times we want to change the world. And yes, we do. I think it's beneficial to put these messages out. You never know who is going to touch. But if you can affect change in your household and said, baby, you know what, if you're married, Go ahead, take that day off. Baby, you know what? What do you need from me? And start to have this practice in the home. Now your young kids are seeing it. Um, even if you're not married and it's just you, what are you doing to really start embedding this into your lifestyle? Can you schedule a day off? Can you schedule these things? And maybe you're going to influence a friend, a family member that's just like, so really every week on Thursday, you just you just don't answer no calls and you just, yeah, that's my self-care day. I just, you know, uh, get to the couch. I watch some documentaries and I kick it. So um, I think it's important for us to just start normalizing it in the household because we can start having influence on others. And now when they're going out, they're starting to create that balance because for many of us, again, um, from our upbringing, what we saw in our household, what we see in society, hustling and grinding and being an entrepreneur and doing it all is normalized. But I'm sorry, that whole idea of lack of um, no sleep is cool. Nah, having getting sleep is cool. So let, <laughs> let's start really changing that language and start really making changes within ourselves, within our household, so we can start influence change um, other spaces. I second all of that, please. <laughs> I can attest to that. I was raised by a single father that worked shift work, which means every 28 days your shift changes. You don't mm -hmm. get to pick your days off. And, you know, you're raised in this culture of I got to be a provider. I got to take care of the kids. I got to take care of my family. So a day off was like, wait, when is that going to happen? I think when I now being an adult, that was something I struggled with breaking because from like a, 11 years old and then graduating high school, I was like, yeah, I got to get to the money forget all this other stuff. I got to grind. You're not thinking you're breaking your body down. Your mental health is suffering. 
your emotional, your spiritual health are suffering. You're just thinking everything's monetary. Everything is such a transactional type of situation, but you're not thinking about who you are and who you're becoming when you're just grinding all the time. So I'm totally with the whole no sleep, that team, no sleep. 20 years ago, that sounded great. Now that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I take naps. And they're like, how are you taking a nap? And you have all this stuff to do. Listen, I don't know about you, but work on your time management because I finna take a nap. <laughs> I'm taking one. You know, that no sleep. I'm excited because I, I love naps. Without the right amount of sleep. Even if it's just my four hours, let me get my four hours. Like, um, but I think as a woman, again, you're, I'm a single mom, you know, just like she is, you know, again, that, that hustle and that grind comes into your mind. Like I'm doing everything double time because I'm not asking nobody for nothing. I ain't got time to wait for nobody. And then you suddenly get this opportunity to become an entrepreneur. And then it makes sense like, hey, that grind is not real. That's like mm -hmm. killing me. So let me slow it down and actually process like is what I saw my father or my grandfather or my grandmother, or my mother do really conducive for what I want my son to see as he's growing up and as he's watching me. And it's like, listen, we could have a fun day. We could take a day off. Nothing's that serious that we can't have a self-care day, like you said, or we can't actually have a conversation that guess what? I get that you're doing everything you're supposed to do, but I can understand too, mental health is becoming an issue because we're not talking about how you're feeling and what you're thinking while you're doing all these things. So I think I'm just thankful that I finally realized within recent years how important it was to, like she said, just realize that that's what they had to do, but that's not what I have to do, right? Amen. And I don't want my son to learn that. So you kind of got to, again, somebody's got to come in and break that cycle. I mean, and guys, just I just wanted to highlight something. Like my friend said something so profound. How many of us were raised to survive, not to live? Like I live in an organ, I mean, I work in an organization, I'm in the military and it's so interesting because I see like, even from the racial perspective, I see these families, like I was stationed at a base called Laughlin, it's in Del Rio. And I, I work with pilots, it's predominantly white males in those spaces. But even for the white women, they will take vacations for a week. Like this was normal. I'm like, y'all take a whole vacation for a week. I don't even feel comfortable being off for a day and not having to check my laptop. When I went to go see my family, I had my laptop. I was working. But a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, individuals have been raised to live. But how many of us have been in survival mode? I mean, even when we're talking about being a single mother, I mean, there was a level of after I got my divorce, it was like, yo, I got to like it's survival mode. Like I got to grind mm -hmm. for my kids. I got to do this. And it's like we never turn it off. But so many of us have been raised or have this mentality of surviving versus living. So it's so much so important that we start to pivot from this survival mindset to starting to live. But again, if you don't take time to slow down and self-assess and become more self-aware and start really paying attention to be like, yo, I've been functioning from the survival space. I'm not even a, I'm not even struggling like I was years ago after my divorce. And I'm over here still talking about I gotta save every dime. We can't go to why Aisha. Like, what's wrong? But again, we have to turn from survival mode to living and start to find that balance. Or like Coach Kendall talked about rhythm, because we talked about balance and he was like, it's like this, but rhythm has a flow to it. So turn off survival mode and start saying, what am I doing to live more often? Man, that 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 whole question was a TED talk in itself. <laughs> you started it, Tanny. I didn't know y'all was gonna have homework today on the uh, successes with the Reach podcast. I need everybody that's listening 
to find your balance, make sure that you're living and not in, in survival mode constantly. And please, 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 I can't stress this enough. Men, women, and, and anybody that's listening, period, focus on your mental health. Like we, we can't stress that enough. We cannot stress that enough. Please address your mental health, your hurts, your past traumas, your pain, address it all. And even more so for those that are in business entrepreneurship, if you do not work on your personal life and your mental health, I promise you, it will come through into your business. I can't stress that enough. As you see both of my guests shaking their heads, it will come through into your business. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Wow, I can't believe I dropped two books. And the reason why I did that is because I didn't want to just show you the external work. I wanted to show you the internal work. Yes, the steps that I had to take for me to show up as a better leader because I wasn't really that good at it because a lot of the things that I was doing was because of my internal issues. So I need you to go to my website, AishaThomas.org backslash shop and grab a copy of The Trendsetting Woman and then Leader Set Trends to get those applicable steps so what you need to do to do that internal work and then the steps you need to do so you can show up better externally. So go to my website now, AishaThomas.org backslash shop and go grab a copy and make sure that you give it to someone as a gift. All right, this, this next one, fellas that are chiming in on this episode, I really need y'all to pay attention because they're going to give us some stuff to take notes on on this next question. All right. What suggestions do you have for men to be better colleagues? And what suggestions do you have for improving workplace communication? Whoever wants to take this one first, just go ahead and jump in. (laughs) Let me just, I'm not biased. I promise I'm not. Communication. (laughs) The the biggest thing men could work on in in the workplace is communication. Having a different level of empathy, working on the tone, the body language, um, because a lot of times men can come off very, I don't want to say threatening, but they can make you feel uncomfortable in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that that's for a lot of reasons, though. You know, you have to protect yourself from, you know, not being misunderstood or that you're conveying the wrong information or energy, especially if you have to communicate with a woman. Um, But the communication, I just think. The, the verbiage that men use sometimes, and again, the, the volume, the tone of how they're speaking to um, the, their colleagues uh, definitely matters. And then I would say the, the other thing would be uh, the way that we could work on that together is kind of do something similar to like sensitivity training, like have conversations in open forums where you have conversations openly with everyone that's an employee at a company. Don't just isolate the women to talk to them about certain things. Don't isolate the men but make it you know, comfortable for everybody to say, I can be myself, I can speak up, I can relay you know, my concerns, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, and make it okay to you know, voice your grievances as well. But I think the big part of it is just having a full understanding of what communication really is and what it entails. Yeah, I love that. I mean, when you talk about communication, um, I always, again, I'm big on the why behind things. I'm always like, why do you communicate the way you do? So if you do find yourself um, getting feedback and the feedback is saying that you don't communicate effectively and you're aggressive, 
And if it's specifically against women or towards women, what is the why behind that? And a lot of times what we, what's so uncomfortable a lot of times as leaders is for us to collect feedback. So one of the processes that I like a lot of leaders to utilize is what I call host your own roast. So we've all watched like those, you know, those roast shows where someone comes on and you have all these people show up and roast them. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I call it like that is because some leaders are afraid of conflict or getting negative feedback, but you want to get that information. You want to have sessions within your organization or within your business or even within the household because some of you know again you can look at your household like a business too like an organization you got to make sure it runs mm -hmm. you got to make sure that culture is healthy you got to make sure the communication is right but how often are you sitting down and saying hey kids did I communicate with you guys effectively this week babe how was my communication this week what can we work mm -hmm. on is there an assessment like I said we know about the assessments are there things that we can go out and take so we can learn our behavior styles and start to understand how you like to be communicated with. And let's just have this conversation and have this open dialogue. And the same thing needs to happen in the workplace because a lot of times we are so close to it that we don't see how we're communicating to others. So how mm -hmm. often are you asking like, am I communicating effectively to you team? Or ladies, am I communicating with you guys effectively? Oh, I sound aggressive. Okay, let me work on that. Well, let me start to shift and change that. So how often are you hosting your own worlds, collecting feedback and self-assessing? Self-assessment is so powerful because once you get that information, yeah, it's gonna be mm -hmm. bothersome. Yes, you might be uncomfortable, but then it is, if and you're, and you're getting the feedback from multiple people, so clearly it's a fact. So facts mm -hmm. over feelings, take a moment, process it, but then you want to go back and actually apply the changes because regardless of how much empathy training people have, the ENI, all these different trainings, it's not until you take time to ask the questions, assess, implement changes, make sure there's a maintenance plan or adjustments that you make, and then make sure that the culture stays that way. If you aren't doing that, then it's just another training that you just want to take, check the box and keep it pushing. So we really mm -hmm. want to start to really implement these processes so we can affect change long-term. Yeah, that's my favorite word, Queen. Longevity. Let's make it a consistent, normal thing that goes on from now on. Like, not just right now because there's an issue. Just make that, like you said, normalize communication in the workplace. It's necessary and it's the best way to have success from all sides of the organization. Indeed, indeed. Excellent feedback. Excellent feedback. All right, we're going to shift from the boardroom to the entrepreneur space now. Um, I want to know what was the aha moment that led you to become an entrepreneur? You know, um, that's something I ask a lot of people that, you know, I come across in the entrepreneur space because everybody has a different story. It's, it's interesting what all led us here to the entrepreneur space. Uh, so I want to know what was the aha moment for you? And Coach Love, we'll start with you on this one. Um, I won't be regular and say, oh, my gosh, I didn't get paid what I was worth, you know, but <laughs> beyond that. I would say a great deal of my experience in every field I was in, um, in corporate America was with customer um, service, the customer service mm -hmm. experience, whether it was face to face or over the phone. Um, the biggest aha for me was that I realized that it's really important how we treat people. And mm -hmm. I realized that a lot of times that extra mile I was willing to go as the you know go between or as the person that was the bridge between the company and the issue and the customer, that a lot of times the bottom line was what mattered. The company didn't really care about what the solution was going to be. It was just like, are they going to take their money somewhere else? What can we do to keep their money? But it was never this full 
out like culture of these people matter. This is why our business is successful because we have this amount of customers. We have these amount of great employees. So I think that biggest aha moment for me was in my last organization in healthcare. Um, and I realized that like, they don't really care. And I was like, there has mm. to be a way to change that. And I just felt that when the opportunity came for me to align myself with being a full-time entrepreneur, that that would always stay at the forefront because I'm talking about that this week on my business page that the customer service experience, I call that the people experience. I don't think organizations, mm. particularly in corporate America, respect what people bring to their organizations, whether we're employees or whether we're their clients. Um, I think there just has to be this culture change where as an organization, whether you're a small business or a large business, that you learn to appreciate that people can go somewhere else. Because if that yeah. happens, where does that leave you? Are you now going to be part of those statistics that this queen mentioned sometimes where now you're out of business in five years? Now you're out yeah. of business in 10 years. You don't have the longevity because you don't even respect people. Um, so I think for me, that was the biggest aha, just realizing like, I don't want to keep working in places where they don't even care about me. And then I'm discovering in my work, they don't care about our customers either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. And just to piggyback on what you were just saying, um, um, shout out to like Zoom, right? Because Zoom, they have they had a role. So um, I'm a part of a, a great, amazing team. They're called Act Leadership and Management Consulting. And we host these um, Saturday lives called Rise or Fall. So we assess different businesses and or big companies. And we identify when they go through like pitfalls, will they rise again or will they continue to fall? So we were, um, we focused on Zoom and they had a position called, it was like chief people officer. And I was like, what kind of job is that? And they literally have somebody that they hired on to do what Coach Love was talking about. Wow. Focus on the people. I was like, I never thought. And they're, and that person is making like strides. I mean, mm -hmm. the culture is being changed. They're talking about work-life balance and COVID. And their job is solely to focus on ensuring the people are happy. And because of that, Zoom is highly rated as one of the best places to work. So what you mm -hmm. said was so powerful. Um, so I just wanted to piggyback off of that because sometimes we can learn from a lot of these big organizations that are doing great things because because we have to think about, well, a lot of times, a lot of businesses think about the external client, but they don't think, mm -hmm. about, think about the internal client, the people that are pushing your mission and your vision. And the more you can pour more love into the internal client, they're going to serve the external client effectively. So let's not forget Definitely. about that. I, I hope that wasn't one of your questions. Anyway, but aside to that, being exposed to um, entrepreneurship, I mean, uh, with exposure, it was just that. I've been in the military for 17 years. I just say 17 years in September. And I was comfortable with solely being my, like military didn't did me well. I got benefits, y'all. I made I made it to a rank where the money is decent. I'm like, I got a hound, you know, I got the picket fence. Well, it's not white, but I got the fence. So it's like I'm good. I'm living all right. But it was the exposure that I got. Mm -hmm. I joined a community because I wanted to personally develop. Um, so I, I was in multi-level marketing and I was like, okay, health and fitness. I was into health and wellness. I had that whole like phase after you get a divorce, like, you know what, girl, I'm going to show him that he lost the good thing. So I'm going to get this body right. I'm going to look good. So I got into health and wellness, you know, for the, for the uh, revenge body. Okay. And then I was introduced to a health and wellness company. It was multi-level marketing. 
And it was awesome because I saw women within there leading a business. Our upline was this uh, awesome um, woman. Um, shout out to Sarah Fontenot. Um, some people might follow her online. Like she's dope. And I saw women opening doors for other women. And they started talking this language of, oh, this is really a business. Because a lot of times you go to MLMs and maybe people aren't familiarized that this is like, a, this can be a whole entrepreneurship type of like journey. Mm -hmm. And they started using this language I never heard before. So now I'm being exposed to language I never heard. I had never heard about personal development. I had never heard about Eric Thomas, Inky Johnson, Les Brown, none of these people. And that exposure led me to be like, okay, I can do this. And now that opened up door for me to get into a community that opened up another door that exposed me to more women that were like, um, shout out to Rochelle T. Park. She's a military uh, retired lieutenant colonel, retired from the military and killing it in her business. But I was so used to seeing people working nine to five all their life. Again, that was the mindset. Uh, that was the worldview that I came from. A lot of us are exposed to just one side of, and again, not, not nothing wrong with working a nine to five, by the way. If that's your choice, that's cool. You can excel in your uh, professional career. So please, and shout out to all the nine to five workers. Or Like, it's nothing wrong with that. But it, a lot of us are exposed to that. And a lot of us, they're like, nah, don't do that. It won't work. You won't be able to be uh, effective in that area. So it was exposure mm -hmm. for me. And it was because I saw women that looked like me, black women that were excelling post-military or just excelling as a single mom, uh, excelling as a woman, as a wife and managing their business. And I'm like, you know what? I can do it. So literally, I think exposure is huge. A lot of us don't get exposed to a lot of different things. And again, it might just not be entrepreneurship, but it could be an array of different things. Again, sometimes we have to unlearn things or just expose ourselves to different things for us to learn and see our world a lot differently and see how big and wide the opportunity is out in the world. So it was exposure for me. And since then, it's like business has been moving. And now, like I said, I'm at the point where I'm like, military, uh, I might have to get out a little earlier because... Uh, my business is popping, okay? <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong um, with that. So it's about exposure. It was exposure for me. Nice. I like nice. that you said that, though, Queen. Yeah, I, we came from really phenomenal corporate America. Like, I'll, I'll never say, you know, forget nine to fives. 98% of the population only wants to be employed. So I love y'all. We need y'all. I'm going to have to hire some of y'all, right? Because we're entrepreneurs now. But <laughs> the reality is, um, that's how you know that like there, it's something bigger in it for you when you say I want to be an entrepreneur because think about the positions that we left to become entrepreneurs or that you're considering mm -hmm. leaving. It's not like you know you're at the bottom of the totem pole just getting crumbs. Like you've as you know you've elevated yourself, you've gone through the ranks. Um, after being in corporate America almost 15 years, I have worked at some really phenomenal places. You make great salary, but there's something bigger there that's like. This just quite isn't it. And then you realize, like you said, you get exposed to such phenomenal people and, you know, new ways to unlearn old information that you're like, I think this is the way to go. And then I think I was up for the challenge of the character building that goes along with entrepreneurship. So mm. I jumped in there like, hey, however it goes, I'm going to at least at the bare minimum be a much better version of myself than I am if I stay in corporate America. Gotcha. You know, and just a follow up question for you, Coach Love, having made that jump, uh, when you look back now, do you feel like you jumped too soon, you jumped too late or you feel like you made that jump at the right time? I'd have to say for me, I made it at the right time, because if I, okay. I like to be honest, you know, I don't really know another way to be. But I would say the maturity, the 
consistency, the dedication, the discipline. I had that, but only as an employee. Like mm -hmm. I really needed to personally develop myself, like the individual, to really be prepared to be an entrepreneur now. I tell people all the time, I'm 40. It took all 38 years for me to get to be able to be in this space and actually appreciate the opportunity of it. I think when it was first introduced to me in my early 20s, I wasn't ready for it. My mindset wasn't there. Um, I know my mental health was in jeopardy at the time. And then thinking about my emotional and spiritual health, I wasn't cut out to be an entrepreneur before the time I became one. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. In the past few years, there's been a huge surge in the number of uh, women entering entrepreneurship. Do you feel that the biggest reason is unfair wages, schedule or time flexibility? Or do you think that is something else? And Aisha, we'll start with you on this one. I got some statistics for you guys. <laughs> Listen. All right, so let's let's give you the, the visual of it, all right? The U.S. has 12.3 million women-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. U.S. women-owned businesses generate 1.8 trillion a year. 40% of U.S. businesses are women-owned. 40%, we catching up to y'all fellas. Um, women started 18, uh, 1,821 net new businesses every day last year. And 64%, this is the one I was talking about, women of color, 64% of new women-owned businesses were started by women of color last year. So I think that, again, it was just like the example that I highlighted earlier about, um, you know, what happened when the world wars happened and women had to kind of step out and make adjustments. But I think that it that that's just you know we we have to adapt we have to make adjustments and i think that that's that hustle that we just innately have within us where mm -hmm. we have to make like when we notice that there's some things that need to be shifted we we make that decision and i think that a it's uh the biggest thing is seeing other women and other people make those shifts and changes did i did i freeze it, my bad it just glitched for a second you good <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I thought that was me. I was like, wait, is that freeze? Okay, but I think it's um a um the what you I mean what you highlighted. I think that um with the more people that are enter entrepreneurship and being successful, and we're seeing examples of it, when we see that we aren't um being um effectively um supported, I mean, there's a huge wage gap, a huge wage gap. Um, yeah. and mm -hmm. as we see more women enter into entrepreneurship, you know what, this wage gap is trash. Let me go ahead and transition and maybe look into um, starting a new business. You know what, let me enter, you know what, let me go get a, um, a degree. Um, let me go transition and do these other things. So I think it is just, um, just like the world has shifted. We have to shift to make changes. And also, like I said, we have to go back to identify that the household has shifted and changed. You have so many more, more single mothers. Um, you have a lot of people that are having to manage the household. A lot of women that are having to step into these roles and we have to make things happen. So a mm -hmm. lot of opportunities we're going after and we're chasing and we're saying, listen, I have to live. I have to take care of my family. So I'm going to look into entrepreneurship. She's doing it. They're doing it well. So I'm going to enter into those spaces and doing it. So. It's beautiful to see how many businesses are opening. And we also, again, have to recognize with the generational shifts um, has allowed a lot of exposure to happen. Again, back to exposure, we didn't have access to social media. So I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to see Coach Love doing her thing 
I mean, 10, was it not 10 years ago, but you know, before AOL kicked off, before we had the dot com boom. But young women have so much access to see all these women doing all these great things in business. And they're like, you know what? Why don't I go out and start a business? So it's just, again, the generational shift. The household has shifted. We have to kind of step into these roles a lot differently and start going about our lives a lot differently. And again, we just, you know, adapt and adjust. And when we see that our worth isn't, um, you know, if people aren't seeing our worth, we're like, you know what? I'm worth more on the outside doing my own thing. So I think a lot of those factors have to do with why women are getting into entrepreneurship a lot more than before. Listen, everything she said. Because, <laughs> seriously, think about it. Uh, if, I think what she said is key. For us, for me being 40 years old, there was this exposure to seeing women, not necessarily women of color, but just we got to see that there were women. And I'll say, I, I don't know how cliche it's going to sound, but I would see Oprah's show every day at four o'clock and be like, why is she the only woman of color on the billionaires list when they do the Forbes list every year? Like I'm on a mission to be on that list or you see her showcasing other women and they weren't always women of color. Here's a black woman that has this national platform, international platform that highlights women in business. I remember seeing the lady that started Sphinx, you know, hearing her story there or just seeing the fact that, you know what? I really don't like that whole 75 cent to your dollar, bro. That's not. Like, why I only get 75 cents? And you laugh, yeah. but it's like one of those things that's like so archaic. Like, why are we still 75 cents? We can't get 85 cents yet? Like, it's like we behind. So it's again, like you said, feeling that underappreciated. And then, of course, sometimes you'll hear in corporate America, like, you want to know how great it is in corporate America? Ask a black woman. Like, we're the last people. You know, we're just getting everything last and we're getting the bare minimum. So you start thinking, like, I want to aspire to be great. How do I do that? Entrepreneurship takes all of the BS out of the equation. It takes all of the quote unquote glass ceilings out of the way. All of the, you know, as you said, the income gaps, the qualifications, you can become a phenomenal business owner without having a degree. No, no shade to degrees because I have one. But the reality is entrepreneurship gives you that opportunity as a woman that no one else can give you. And I think because we were exposed to seeing women empower that way, that kind of gave this next generation of us the courage to say, guess what? I'm going to step up and do that same thing because now you see it's possible. You know, it's like when the kids got to see Barack and now all these young girls will get to see Kamala Harris. You get to see those people. And like you said, the awesome thing about technology is I can turn on any device in my house and see you guys do your podcast any day of the week. That's exposure that's unprecedented. How could you not feel inspired when you have access to technology that's showcasing all the great things that women can do? Like, why would you not want to aspire to be that? Indeed, indeed. All righty. Let's see. Next up, we have who are some women in business and or entrepreneurship that you looked up to or studied in creating your blueprint for success? Um, and Coach Love, we'll start with you on this one. Oh, there's too many. There's too many. Um, of course, you guys heard me say <laughs> Oprah, but, uh -huh. you know, watching um, like the world news or business news, seeing like women be appointed to run companies like Pepsi or Coca-Cola. You know, mm. recently we had a, a woman of color be appointed to a great position in Starbucks. But just seeing 
again, just people being highlighted that I was like, wow, that's actually a job title. That's something mm -hmm. I could do if I wanted to do that. Um, it's just so many people, but I, I would have to say, yeah, for me, it was those 20 something years that I got to see Oprah create, just like I said, a phenomenal platform as a woman of color. Like mm -hmm. that was like all the inspiration I needed before I really got the chance to connect to people that were right in my community, you know, because mm -hmm. that was hard pressed. I'm from North Philly, you know, so wasn't a lot of entrepreneurship, you know, uh, people in that space that were women. It was typically men. So for me, I found that person being home at four o'clock every day for the last 20 something years. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right, Aisha. Yeah, that eyes, that eyes just got sight to this because that's again, that's the reality. If you are solely just looking at things from just working again a nine to five, then I didn't really pay attention. And again, I mean, Oprah had a big effect on me as well. But the interesting thing is, although my mom was like, girl, don't be an entrepreneur. You're a single mom. Like, shout out, mom. I love you. But you did kind of be like, you did kind of shut it down. She was the first entrepreneur I experienced. <laughs> she was. She was like, don't do it, Aisha. Um, but as a young girl, my mother owned a hair salon. It's called Aisha's Hair Salon. Shout out to like shout out to my name. But she nice. had a um she had a hair salon in West Africa. Am I freezing? I keep on seeing myself freezing. But she had a um hair salon in West Africa called Aisha's Salon. So as a young girl, I saw her run a business from I mean, I mean, for most of my like I was in West Africa until I about eight, nine years old. So she was the first mm -hmm. entrepreneur I saw. And then when we came to the U.S., my sister opened up a hair salon. I have another older sister that's getting into this space. So, again, I only re really started to pay attention to what I was seeing was entrepreneurship just a couple years ago. And now okay. now that I'm in a community with other people that are doing it and I'm seeing it on a daily basis. I mean, again, we follow each other. We support one another. I mean, from Brittany, you know, like I said, we have people I talk about Rochelle, how she got out the military. I have my coach, uh, Coach Val. I mean, I have you have Terica, uh, Terica Lynn Smith. We got Natalie out there. I mean, I got so many Tanya Hart, like, oh, my all my homies, right? So now I'm around other women that are doing that because again, I was exposed to it. So um, it was just a few years ago when it really started to click to me that my sister's in entrepreneurship, my other sister, my mom was the first entrepreneur that I saw, which again, shocks me why she hates, she did not want me to do it so bad. So I just had to show her the results. Um, so yeah, it was just a recent thing for me. Um, so it wasn't really studying anybody. I studied people mm -hmm. who had a nine to five. And now once I got exposed to entrepreneurship, now I'm starting to see it and um, create a circle around me of other women that are also um, mothers, wives that are entrepreneurship. And it's beautiful to watch. Oh yeah. That's, that's awesome. dope. Shout out to the hairdresser sisters. I have two of them too that have been hairdressers <laughs> since I was a kid. Listen, nice. never thought of that as entrepreneurship. You're right. I just I know, like, right? You just like they just doing your hair. Hard. They my mind. and my sister used to try out all the little new hairstyles on me. The girls used to hate. Yeah. Like, why you got the? I had the French waves, y'all. Like I was killing oh man i had to ask that question like it's it's always interesting to me you know to ask you know other fellow entrepreneurs who it was that they you know looked up to and studied and took notes on and all of that like all of us have different you know markets and different niches so it's always interesting to see who we paid attention to as we tried to map this thing out and launch our businesses um the next question i have for you is what is your greatest advice 
uh, for a woman stepping into entrepreneurship for the first time. Um, and Aisha, we'll start with you on this one. Self-leadership. Again, a, a lot of the conversation that we had today, I always talked about the why behind it. But one of the things that I shared about beginning beginning my journey into becoming a consultant in leadership is how I was leading through my trauma. And there was a lot of unpacking that I needed to do before I fully got immersed in entrepreneurship. And thank God I had entered into a personal development space early on in my um, journey of being an entrepreneur because I started to recognize I still needed a lot of healing. Again, I'm a survivor mm -hmm. of sexual trauma. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. I mean, I had decades of trauma that I had to unpack. And again, I always share the example of those rejections you hear and know in your entrepreneurship journey, you starting to trigger and thinking they're saying no to you. And that's because you have daddy issues or that's because you have rejection issues. So it's so important that, and again, this goes across the board from any gender or so on, but it's going to be so important that you really start to work on self-leadership, identify what areas you need to grow in. Because if you're struggling and you're nine to five and your boss is saying, you like communication skills, you like this, you're going to take those same issues into your entrepreneurship role. So it's going to be so important that you take time to really assess yourself. Yes, it's a bag attached to it. Yes, it's going to be some great experiences, but there's a grind. So there's a level of motivation that you need. There's a level of self-awareness you need. Why? Because the self-awareness would allow you to know what your blind spots are, your limitations, identify, okay, this is who I really need to pull into my team. Identify that if I have issues in relationships, I need to take care of that because as soon as he called, I'm going to cancel on my client and go call at him. And now your business is going under because your priorities isn't right. You don't understand the rhythm of the balance and um, maybe why you make certain decisions. Like, it's just the reality. Sometimes we haven't worked on certain relational issues or personal issues and we go into business and it follows us right into our business. I remember the story of this young man who talked about how his issues with his father was affecting him leveling up in his business. And he had trust issues with other men. And it wasn't until he healed that part of his business that he was able to get to this top tier in his business. So before you get into business, really self-assess, work on self-leadership, become more emotional, emotionally intelligent. And that's why I lead with that. That's why that's one of the biggest areas that I have my clients start with, because we need to understand why you show up the way you do before you start to enter into any space of entrepreneurship, business, try to reach a goal. Let's find out how you function, the why behind it, give you a trigger plan so you can really have a way to assess and navigate those issues or um, really heal those areas. And then you can go into business whole or then you can go into relationships whole. And now you're able to navigate these spaces a lot effectively. So self-assess and really become an effective self-leader before you go out and try to lead in any other space. Listen, what she said again, guys, because this is not even from just a coaching space. This is like the life space. Um, it was very important for me myself to do the self-development in the space of like she mentioned here, your mental, emotional and spiritual health, because who you are, your character, the character of your heart is what's going to predicate how you function in any role. You're yourself before you get the assignment of being an employee or a business owner. Um, and that's something I talk about all the time because typically the men that I talk to, they're business owners. And that's, again, the biggest struggle, you know, uh, particularly with, with men of color, that they're in business and the space that they're working from, though, is a foundation of trauma. 
So it's a very mm. different kind of experience versus you have taken the time doing what I like to call heart work, which is just that you're taking the time to practice what I call the self-love trifecta. We need to work more on the capacity to forgive, um, practicing gratitude and practicing positive affirmations. Those are three things that were key for me um, before I was able to make a shift in my mindset or anything about myself as an individual before I got into the coaching space. Because people will say, oh, you should go to therapy. Oh, you should do this. But have you lived that? Have you gone to therapy? How many therapists do you know that have never been to therapy, but they're therapists? Um, the reality is you have to work from a space of, I tell people all the time, I coach from what I've lived through and what I've done myself. Um, and as a woman, I would say, again, that's the main thing. Do that work first, because just like you guys said before, that's going to show up in your business. If you're suffering from trauma, if you're suffering from not taking the time, um, she said it. I always say people, you don't, your IQ is not important in business. Your EQ is because that's what makes the difference. Your emotional quotient, the, how healthy that is, is really going to dictate how successful you can be in the space of, like she said, building relationships as a business owner in your communication with your employees, with your clients, in the way you just show up, like how professional are you? How consistent are you? And I'm saying this as a person that every day I struggle with some of these things, but the reality is after you've self-developed, after you, you know, and you stay on the journey of it, like don't just start it. And then when you get successful, say, Hey, I made it. I don't need therapy anymore. I don't need coaching. I don't need to continue to evolve as an individual. Make sure that you have the mindset that who you are uh, is going to continue to evolve over the rest of your life. So when you get on that wagon, you got to stay on it. If you don't think you're going to, if you can't fully commit to yourself, you should never go into business ever. Mm. Because the reality is you as an individual, if you can't take the best care of yourself, you're not going to be successful in any other role that you have. So do that first, get the therapy or the coaching, get both if you need it but definitely take care of yourself, do the work to take care of yourself before you make that great step. Because I promise you, if you don't, entrepreneurship, as I said before, is character building. You're not cut out for it if you haven't done the work on the heart of your character. That's just, that's my thought. That's what I know to be true. <laughs> excellent, excellent points. And if anybody is looking for any coaches in the field of business entrepreneurship, you got three of them right here on this podcast. <laughs> Just want to throw that in there. <laughs> All right. As we wrap up, um, I want to ask what's next for you? How are you closing out 2020 and transitioning into 2021? Let the audience know where they can find you on social media or projects you're working on, um, you know, any special offers or products that you have out there. And uh, Coach Love, we'll start with you. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm doing that thing that they're saying, ending with sort of a bang. Uh, in about <laughs> two weeks, a uh, TV show launch is happening. Um, we'll be streaming on Roku, uh, 4K, Forecast TV. Um, nice. We have a cool sponsor, the guy that uh, owns Amazon. I'm pretty scared about that. You know, that's going to be a pretty tough thing to hold on to. Um, but I'm going for it. Uh, and then also in that same space, uh, I have a book coming out, my first solo project as an author um, of the same name. So the book's called Heartwork. The show is called Heartwork with Coach Love. Not hard to find. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, back on there recently, you know, I had to take some time to do this whole studio thing. But um, Keepsake Motivation is where you'll find me as Coach Love. Um, as CEO Lovey, you'll find me at LRE Investments on Instagram. 
Um, and then I love to say you guys will catch me anywhere in the audience where these phenomenal people are because I love supporting my brothers and sisters out here in business. So if you need to find me, just hit up one of the comment sections of these phenomenal people because I'm usually there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aisha. Yeah, so um, of course you can follow me on at Miss Aisha Speak, M-S-A-I-S-H-A Speaks on all platforms um and you can check out my youtube page you know what before you get into business make sure you pick the right names because listen i pick my youtube page name based off of the old me and i'm like and i can't even change it i'm just saying that's just you a quick business tip make sure you think about that before you pick it okay that's true that's true but i'm on youtube at the miss isha at the T-H-E-M-S-E-E-S-H-A. Um, so you can find me on those spaces or info at AishaThomas.org. A few things. Um, one of the things, again, I talked about really self-development before you go into business. So I wrote the book, The Trendsetting Woman, Seven Steps to a Redefined Identity After Heartbreak. So what I did in that book, and again, it's not just for women, but <laughs> but that book was written. I really talked about the, uh, the personal development and self-development, self-leadership process that I had to go through after my divorce. Um, and it really walks you through, it gives you steps. So it's a workbook and a book that really walks you through how to become a self-leader, how to heal. And then after that, I came out with a book called Leader Set Trends, five employee retention secrets you never knew. So in that book, now that you're into leadership, everybody wants to blow up. Everybody wants to get to, to the next level. You're going to need a team. But a lot of us, again, we get into leadership, not understanding how to effectively manage a team. So this walks you through the five, how you retain a team. It's one thing to get them, but how do you retain them? So it walks you through that process. Same thing. It's a book and a workbook. You also get a free assessment in the book so you can identify your leadership style. Um, and that really just helps you prepare. So I have the before you become an entrepreneur, while you're entrepreneur, work, working through your blow up. And of course, like I said, um, my, my squad at Leadership and Management Consulting, we're launching an eight-week cohort. Um, we have a special event happening December 16th. So if you want to sign up for that, we're walking you through the entire business development phase. So you're going to go through the leadership development phase. You're going to go through the marketing, the developing of your business, all the way to your launch, or even if you're trying to scale up for your business. So if you want to get connected with that, hit us up at info at Athlete Consulting or go to athleteconsulting.com and we'll take care of you. So again, um, if you want to grab my book, aishathomas.org backslash shop, or again, hit me up info at aishathomas.org. Yes. Wait a minute. I, I'm just trying to. Can I hire you as a consultant in 2021? I sure can. Y'all know, know I you read. Gotta hire me now. Okay. On, on, the, on the, the literature, Queen. That's not how you do. How I'm supposed to get better? You don't tell me you write books. Aww. I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to cop both of those. Appreciate I love to and I love the actual book because I like to write in the margin. I don't even have to do that. She got workbooks, y'all. Got the workbook, workbook now. <laughs> Got you covered on all sides, covered on all sides. Um, and once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Shannon Smith. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the underscore CEO underscore within. Um, and I'm a business consultant and entrepreneur coach. I provide innovative solutions to both entrepreneurs and businesses, focusing on growth, efficiency, and profitability. Uh, my company is The CEO Within You. You can find it at www.theceowithinyou.com. Um, you can find me here Thursdays at 8 o'clock on the Successes Within Reach podcast. 
And with that, I would like to thank both of our guests. This has been a phenomenal, phenomenal episode. You all went above and beyond for the ladies this evening. I hope those in the audience got some great gems. You can catch the replay on our Facebook page, on our Twitter page. Uh, This will be uploaded Saturday morning at nine o'clock on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Anchor as well. And with that, we say wait, 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 shit, wait. I got to give you your flowers because, again, I've, I've been on this big journey about being a door opener. So I just want to give you your flowers for being a door opener because you've opened up platforms to women. Um, you know, again, any opportunity that you give where we can share our messages and talk about these things, I respect that. So I definitely want to give you your flowers and thank you for being a door opener because the more you do it, hopefully there are other men. Um, there are already there are, um, other black men that are saying, you know what, I know some dope women. I need to start maybe having them on my podcast. I need to maybe pass them some opportunities. I need to maybe bring them on my team or say, you know what, hire her instead. So I just want to give you your flowers in front of everyone and say thank you for these opportunities because, you know, it, it's a blessing. And um, shout out to you being a door opener. I'm going to get I door opener blacks for people. That's going to be a new thing. Let's go. Listen, you got a hashtag going hey, on. I appreciate it. I do. <laughs> I definitely want to say the same thing, Shannon. Thank you so much. I just thought it was like so humbling that, like she said, there's a king out here. We're going to share a platform with phenomenal women um, because the world needs to see us. We're here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then people need to see that you're not afraid to be that person that sets that new trend or just be a leader in the space of collaboration. We talk about that a lot in business. So I think it's awesome that you've been willing to just collaborate with great people in business and educate people and that you just have a heart for it. So it's the authenticity comes through all the time. So I'm just thankful that you're that guy, that you're really the guy that (laughs) we see you as um, and that we get to be here. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thank you queen for coming through with me. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't here by myself. I'm happy that I got to share this platform with you tonight. You guys are the best. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. you. I appreciate that. Hey, each one teach one and we all win in life, you know. Right. As always, what were your takeaways? What were the things that you took away from this? And fellas, this conversation is super important because even with apps like Clubhouse, I've been really dialing into conversations just to educate myself on different perspectives. And although this might have been a conversation about women, there are things that I think that we can learn from each other to support one another. And this conversation was so needed. I mean, we talked about everything about, again, the different things we have to navigate and really start to promote this mindset of being created more equitable spaces. And I love the fact that so many business owners and leaders um, from that space listen to this podcast because we have the power to create these spaces ourselves. So the gaps and the things that we see in corporations and big companies, we are the CEOs. We are the ones that are creating these spaces so we can create so many opportunities and open doors for people. But I'm not going to go even super, super deep about what I took away from this conversation because essentially... I want us to take, again, these this information to learn from one another and really ask yourself, how can I be a door opener in 2021? If I have a business, okay, what can I do to make sure that I create spaces that I am really ushering in some dope women if I am a man? Or if you are a woman, if you say, okay, how can I, as I'm moving forward, how can I bring another woman with me in these other minority groups, especially Black women, right? And it's so important 
important to just try to create healthy spaces that are not only, you know, diverse, but also have that inclusivity and they are opening seats at the tables where decisions are being made. These boards are being created. Let's have more diverse spaces and faces there. So that's super important. That's the biggest thing I'm really going to push in 2021. I just appreciate you all for just dialing in with me this year. It's been so good. I mean, again, COVID just threw us just threw everybody for a big loop. And even for me, as I close out this year, I am literally transitioning to a whole new state. I'm moving back to the DMV. I got a promotion. I'm getting a promotion in multiple spaces. Like God, God has been so good from to me. And even though 2021, excuse me, 2020, see, look, I'm, I'm already jumping ahead. Although 2020 might have thrown all of us for a loop, I just hope that we all took this opportunity to learn something in this season, right? When we started 2020, everybody was saying, it's the year of vision, it's the year of vision. And it still was. It gave us sight in so many ways, personally. There were probably things that we recognized within ourselves that we needed to work on professionally. There were some things that we recognized we needed to work on and pivots we had to make. Or again, we have some people who unfortunately lost their jobs, but that might've catapulted them to really focus in on their gift and start a business. Or again, you have some people that are still struggling today trying to navigate how they're going to be able to support themselves and our hearts goes goes out to them because that has to be something that is so, so hard to navigate, especially when you have bills or if you have a family, our heart goes out to them. So even if you see people struggling, give them opportunities, open doors. I mean, the blessing about being a business owner, you never know how you can possibly open a door and usher in and support somebody with that one opportunity. So definitely look for those opportunities to support those who have lost their jobs, who are looking for stuff or are just starting their business because they lost a job and maybe you might be a way they can build their resume and that could possibly open up another door for them because you know you gave them that start so it's a multitude of things that we can do to support one another but that's again that's what I'm pushing for 2021 purpose um we have this thing where we talk about word words for 2021 and mine just been popping in my head is this restoration and Again, for somebody that has experienced so much in my lifetime, I just see, again, I'm not trying to get all spiritual, but I'm a spiritual person. God is like everything to me. And I'm just seeing a pivot and a shift in a way um, that is just, again, nothing but God's doing. So restoration is my word. So what is your word for 2021? And what is your goal? We just wrapped up a webinar where we help business leaders map out a goal, but even without them being business leaders, this was stuff that we can apply for personal goals. So again, what are you trying to achieve? And when you reverse engineer it for your big vision for 2021, what is the weekly, daily goal, the monthly goal, the quarterly goal? What is that actionable item you can do so you can attain that? Because it is possible. Keep working hard, keep serving. And again, as you serve and you level up, ladies and gentlemen, please continue to be adorable opener. Who can you usher in? What opportunities can you possibly say, hey, I know this woman and she's super dope. I know this gentleman and he's great at it. I know this person that, listen, they might not have that much experience, but I've seen with their work ethic that they can do a multitude of things. Just that recommendation could do a lot. It's about service. It's about support because so many people opened up doors for me in 2020 and 2019 that has gotten me to where I am today. And we have to pay it 
forward, pay it backwards, pay it all around. So again, I thank you all for tuning in. 2021 is going to be awesome. I'm going to bring a whole new series of conversations. So stay tuned for that. I mean, we're going to be right back at it. There's no sitting down and it's no time for a break. No, we're consistently moving forward. So I'm going to be bringing you some fresh, great content in 2021. And again, happy new year to you all. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas. God has been so good to me. And just recognize, again, regardless of what you're going through out there, I love you all. I'm praying for you all. I thank you all. And trust me, the way my life started off, you would have never known that I would have gotten to the space I am today. So trust me when I say that whatever you're facing today, tomorrow is going to be so much better. Just keep pressing forward. Trust me on this, okay? Keep God first. Stay in prayer. That's your thing. Um, keep looking forward and just know that man 2021 has some great things to bring not saying that it's not going to have any hurdles or ups and downs that's going to come with it but trust me there's a lesson in every season that you're going in so as I go into a whole new state even though that's home for me DMV that's where I grew up but it's a new pivot going into this new year with just a whole new just a whole new other experience that I'm going to have I just I just, you know, I'm going to bring you guys on this journey and um, in leadership, recognize again that we're all leaders. The question is, are you going to be great at it or are you going to continue to just function in a space of just, you know, function in a space where you aren't necessarily pushing yourself to be better? We all have room to grow. I constantly have room to grow, but you have to take the steps and take the action forward to develop yourself. So I just challenge you to do that. I'm not going to keep rambling anymore. I'm just super, super, um, I'm looking forward to what 2021 brings. So um, again, just continue to walk with me along on this journey. And I'm super excited to bring you guys some awesome content in 2021. So as always, follow me on at Miss Aisha Thomas. I actually even changed my social media handle. Rebrand, y'all. Rebranding. At Miss Aisha Thomas on all platforms. DM me. Turn on your notifications. Leave a comment. Um, If you have a topic you want me to talk about, please reach out. And like I said, I appreciate you all. God bless you all. And I will see you guys in 2021. Happy New Year. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. I want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M-S-A-I-S-H-A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.